This is Tony Drake, Certified Financial Planner with Drake & Associates, and this is the Retirement Ready Show. Our goal is to educate you on the many topics of retirement and inform you how to create a successful Retirement Ready Roadmap. Thank you for joining me today for another episode where we will make your Retirement Ready Roadmap simple. I'm Tony Drake, Certified Financial Planner with Drake & Associates. You can always visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Lots of great tools and resources. There's some really great ways to connect with us, completely complimentary. If you have a quick question, you can set up a 15-minute phone call. We'd be happy to answer any of those questions. Or if you'd like a second set of eyes on your plan, maybe you're someone that's done your plan yourself without any professional help. Or maybe you haven't even started. In any of those cases, we can help. It's a complimentary process with us to create your retirement-ready roadmap. And you can set up those appointments either virtually or in person at any of our offices. You'll be able to see our calendar and schedule those directly right at retirementreadyshow.com. And for our folks and uh, friends in Wisconsin here, we have some great upcoming workshops after the holidays. Boy, it's hard to believe we're zooming in on it halfway through December. But January 3rd and 4th, we're going to be out in Hubertus, 6.30 p.m., one hour talking about the economy, inflation, interest rates, upcoming taxes. We know taxes are going up in January 2026. But more importantly, we're going to talk about some strategies on how to protect yourself from these potential retirement threats. Those do fill up, so we do need folks to register ahead of time. You can see those dates and times and register right at Retirement Ready Show dot com got my buddy randy winkler hey tony how are you i'm great how about you it's great it's a fun time of year of course it's all wrapped up for this year but we participated in toys for tots and it was uh, just so impressive to see the generosity both of the team members here at the firm but also so many of our clients and just some great community members that tune into the show here and yeah. brought some uh, toys in for those in need at those overflowing boxes that was nice to see yeah, that was really fun. Just this last week, the Marines came and picked those up. So it was uh, really fun to do that. And of course, we'll uh, do that again next year. So once again, thank you to all the great people in the community that participated in that. Um, I think it's a, a fun time of year. Maybe it's easy to get caught up in the consumerism and forget about the meaning of the holidays. And, um, you know, it's just such, such a nice opportunity, I think, to, to help people that are in a tough situation and, make a little bit better Christmas for these kids. Yeah, especially the kids that they have no idea what's going on financially in the family and and uh, for them to be able to, for the parents to know that they can give them something and forget about the other stresses for a day, it's a, it's nice. It's a, it's a great uh, great time of year to do that. But uh, anything exciting for you and, and uh, Winkler household for well, holidays? Uh, well, we had our uh, our Sunday school Christmas program last Sunday. That was a lot of fun. The, uh, How'd that go? It was good. They did something really creative. All of the Sunday school kids interviewed the senior members and about what it was like in their life of faith when they were younger and what their Christmas memories were. So what they did for the program, they drew pictures of what they experienced and a few of the kids dressed up like the senior members and talked about their, you know, early Christmas in Germany or what they, they did when it was young with lighting candles and everything. So it was very funny. My parents were two of the ones that were represented and see, you know, eight and 10 year olds dressed up and having the spray painted gray hair. But uh, it was a lot of fun for everybody and the, to hear these stories from 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. So it was very creative on the part of the Sunday school teachers. For me, Randy, it was my lap. My, you know, my, my youngest is in eighth grade. 
probably my last kid's Christmas concert at school. You have to have more kids. Oh, no. no that's, not, that's not the solution for me, buddy. But it is a solution for some people, yeah. maybe, but not for me. But no. No. Uh, great topic as we kind of zoom into the holidays here. You know, Randy, just a couple weeks left this year. And I want to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. and, and some you might want to think about. I, I know resolutions can be a little hokey, you know, and maybe the gyms get filled up for a couple months and then it's back to the normal uh, people that have always been there. But I do like resolutions. You know, I, I like to think about different times of year where you can, you know, I'm a big believer that you can change anything with hard work. And, you know, I, I think it's a great time of year to kind of have that reset, if you will. Maybe it's just a Definitely. mental reset where you can kind of try something new or try something to better your life. And there's certainly some resolutions that you think about from a financial perspective and certainly easy to make, even easier to break. But it's time to look forward and think about practical goals for next year, 2024. And if you could use some guidance creating and sticking to those financial goals, that's where we can help. So I want to talk about, you know, this a little bit. Randy, millions of Americans make resolutions every year, but most of us don't have any real hopes of achieving those goals. Researchers suggest only 9% of Americans who make New Year's resolutions complete them. So I, I think it's important to think about and how helpful would it be, Randy, to make financial New Year's resolutions as opposed to physical resolutions? Maybe, well, maybe they're a little bit easier than sticking to that diet or hitting the gym, or maybe you got to do both. I don't yeah. Know. Well, I know they've done many studies on just actually writing down your goals. You're ahead of 95% of the population and you're much more likely to achieve them. And some people don't think about it or they think about it for a week or two. And when you mentioned a couple of months at the gym, from my experience, it's about two weeks. By the time you get to the uh, third week of January, all of those resolution people, they're gone. And it's just the uh, the diehards that are, that are left in the gym. Yeah, that's for sure. That certainly happens. And I, I know this concept of writing down your goals is something that you and I both do because we get the opportunity. One of the things I enjoy about our friendship beyond working together is we have some similar reading habits and goal setting habits and um, probably don't get to talk about it enough but occasionally we get to catch up on some of those and i know it's been something that's been impactful in your life right yeah i really enjoy um, reading and taking notes and trying to digest all that information and we uh, discovered we were kindred spirits a couple of years ago and we'd read a lot of the same books and share them back and forth but just to kind of have that motivation and as somebody else who's done it successfully or they've solved a an issue that we're trying to solve um, i find that very inspiring and it i try to have goals on a regular basis daily goals not just uh, in January, but uh, most people have their New Year's Eve. It's a it's a restart. It's a reset, reboot, and uh, hopefully have a make it a, a better year than the previous one. Yeah, it's always a great opportunity to do that, and I like to keep mine. I I do mine in the same journal. So part of my process, and I actually need to get to it about this time of year. I like to relook at last year's, kind of see where did I hit them, where did I fall short. Is it a big enough goal needs to kind of continue into 2024? And, you know, that's probably a great opportunity for financial goals. I think some of the financial stuff, the planning for you and I is maybe the easier stuff because it's what we do every day where, you know, some of my tougher goals are outside of financial um, kind of planning and, and things that happen. But for other people, the financial goals are tough to stick to. And one starting point, Randy, may be kind of giving yourself a financial checkup this time of year, 
seeing if you are where you want to be. What might that look like for folks? Yeah, it's funny. I try not to use the B word budget. Um, I always thought that we need to talk to marketing about getting a better term for that. like a, yeah. you know, freedom document or, uh, cause it's just got a bad rap. Cause I, I really don't think of budgeting as being something that's limiting. I find it to be very empowering, you know, give every dollar a job. I say, like to say your dollar, your dollars are like soldiers. If you don't give them a battle to fight, they're just going to wander off. So if you sit down and think about, okay, what is really important in our household? And for my wife and I, we really like to travel. So we make some sacrifices in other areas so we can take some really big trips. But taking a look at that, having that conversation, seeing, okay, is there an area where we're spending money that we're not getting the the value from it? For a lot of people, that might be um, TV uh, subscriptions that they're no longer using. Or for some, it's a gym membership they've been paying for for years and they're not going. So just kind of doing an assessment and seeing, okay, where's the money going? Do we want it to go there? Is there a better use for it? And then I think just consciously thinking, okay, what what is our goal? What do we want our life to look like? And we talk about retirement a lot. So for a lot of people, that that's that's a, you know, what do we want the retirement picture to look like? Is it volunteering? Is it spending time with the grandkids? Is it going back to school, you know, starting your, you know, retirement hobby job, you know, uh, just putting some conscious thought into it. Cause there's a saying I like, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. And I think sometimes it, you know, again, if this is not your topic du jour, if you will, or, or something you love doing, boy, Randy, one of the things that I would say surprised me so much, you know, over the many, many years now working with retirees or families about to retire. I guess I assumed early in my career when I was a young man and, you know, getting all my designations and licenses and all that fun stuff, I assumed that, you know, people love this as much as I do, <laughs> which was a bad assumption, right? Just like there's a lot of topics that I don't love right. that I have to do in my life. And, and I think so many families that you and I have met over the years have done what they were supposed to do. They mm -hmm. did the hard part, right? Which is the sacrifice each and every paycheck, right? This concept of paying yourself first, right? Maybe foregoing the new iPhone or whatever that new hot thing is or a new car when mine was working fine so I can take a piece of that income, each and every payroll, and put it away. And when you're a young person in your 20s, you're thinking, I'm putting away money for 40 years from now? You know, it just <laughs> seems so foreign, but we've met so many people that have done exactly that, and they do that good job, but then they get to this magical date where they're supposed to retire, and they're like, hey, Randy, I, I don't know how all these pieces come together. I just did what I was supposed to do, and sometimes it's pretty impressive balances. Sometimes it's that millionaire next door is a very middle-income person, but the power of saving over 40 years and investing appropriately, oftentimes they wake up as millionaires, and now they don't know what to do with it. Right. That's, that's the thing about most people have a portfolio, but not many people have a plan. So uh, coming in, and, and again, it's it's something that we really enjoy doing, but there's a lot of people like, oh man, I do not want to talk about money. It's been kind of a joke for many years that on Saturday morning I get up, make some coffee, sit down and work on my budget. And that's fun. I'm just I'm just in heaven. Over <laughs> We're there. weirdos, yes. Randy. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to leverage the weirdos to help you if that's not an area you're interested in. So but yeah, if you if you've been a good saver and you're wondering, okay, how do I turn this bucket of money into an income stream in retirement? Am I gonna be okay? Do I have enough? In many cases, we found that, uh, especially in the Midwest, people are, are hard workers, good savers, and they're in, in better shape than they, they think they, they are. Yeah, it's one thing I love about the Midwest. And, you know, I come from a very middle income family. 
Mom built uh, small lawnmower engines there at Briggs and Stratton when it was still in, in Milwaukee here, and and Dad was a welder at Rexnord, and um, so I, I certainly understand those values and, and kind of what that means to this, you know, this kind of upper Midwest area and the culture and the values that come with that of hard work and. I also kind of appreciate that these topics aren't everybody's favorite topic like it is for you and I. So if it's not, we have a lot of great tools to help. There's never any pressure. If you come in, we'd love to sit down with you. It's complimentary to create your retirement ready roadmap. And there's not going to be any pressure. If you think it makes sense to continue working together, we can talk about what that looks like. But rolling into the new year, Randy, and that's our topic this week, we're talking about 2024 financial New Year's resolutions. And you talked to us a little bit about a financial checkup at the start of the year. I think it's a great time, too, to consider updating your savings goals. Right. Again, if you don't have a target, you're, you're, you're not going to hit it. So it's good to think about. And sometimes these big numbers, um, they, they seem scary. I know I have, I have a good friend that we used to travel a lot uh, 20 years ago and I was single and he'd always laugh because I was a math geek even back then. And he's like, Hey, do you want to go to Africa on safari for two weeks? And my response, no matter where he wanted to go was the same. I'm like, sure. When and how much? Cause when I knew when we were going and how much it was, I could back into a savings goal. You know, if it's going to be, you know, $12,000, we're going in a year, that's $1,000 a month. So if you, you break it down, you chunk it down. And if you can't do it in a year, well, maybe you need two years. But to think about what that goal is and then break it down on a, on a yearly basis and then keep track of it. What I find is fun is like, hey, you know, we've got 90% of that next vacation paid for already because we've been saving for it. And then it can be kind of a fun way to bring the family together, too. Especially if you've got kids involved. So like, hey, can we go to McDonald's? Yeah, we could. Or, you know, we could spend an extra day at, uh, you know, Disney World if we skip McDonald's for a couple of months. So maybe a bad example, but it helps you to, to clarify what you'd really like to do. And then that ties right back into your um, savings goals. And then along with that, you probably want to revisit your retirement plan. You know, how much are you contributing? I always think it's a great idea. You want to be contributing to your retirement plan at work, at least up to the company match, and then go from there, continue to go further. And, and what a lot of people do, and I love this, is that they um, automatically set it up to up by 1% every January. So if you, uh, you know, if you start out at, if you're putting away 6%, after 10 years, you're at 16%. And it just kind of builds up over time. And it's not that big hit if you want to jump to the big number right off the bat. So taking a look at your shorter term savings goals, which probably should be in some sort of a cash instrument and your longer term savings goals, which should be in your 401k or a Roth IRA, depending on your tax situation. But just revisiting, you know, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? Where are you trying to get? For some people, it's a magic number. I want to have $10,000 in my vacation fund or a million dollars in my 401k. If you kind of chunk it down and, and, uh, and look at it over your time frame, it's not quite as overwhelming. Had a, a former boss one time. We had a big project, and uh, I was just completely overwhelmed. And he's like, he goes, he goes, how do you eat an elephant? And I'm like, I don't know. He goes, one bite at a one time. One bite at a time. That's a classic <laughs> one. Yeah. I was thinking that now. So same thing with savings. Hey, podcast fans! If you're ready to take the next steps to create your retirement ready roadmap, then visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Here you can download educational white papers. Sign up for educational, no-obligation workshops, or schedule your complimentary consultation. Also, don't forget to follow us and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, back to the podcast. 
And that's what I, you know, I think of what it really comes down to. And in, in the previous segment, ready, you talked about a budget, and I think it's pretty common for you and I to hear when someone comes in. We we have some incredible tools nowadays. I mean, when I think about the way we used to do this with calculators and you know financial calculators to calculate all this stuff, and I think you and I for our CFP designations, we had to memorize you know standard deviation yep. <laughs> and all these crazy crazy formulas, but. Um, nowadays there's some phenomenal tools, but I would say the downfall to any of these financial tools that are out there is it's dependent upon the number that's provided in the budget. And the hard part from my seat is that's a piece I don't have any control over. Right. And the challenge is oftentimes a new family comes in they're you know, either want a second set of eyes on the plan or they're creating a plan for the first time, which we love doing. That's really our specialty. And, you know, when we bring up budget, the answer often is, well, I don't know, Tony. We put it on a credit card for convenience and we pay it off each month. And I don't really know what we're spending. And it's such a great exercise to go through at any time, but in particular, if you're zooming in on retirement. And, and I think from twofold, and I'd love to get your opinion, Randy. First, I would say almost always, always is a is a big word. So I'll say almost always. I think you find an area that you're spending more money than you thought. Right. And that might be an easy target to cut back, figure out some creative ways to cut back on that portion. So you can, you know, apply that, that difference, if you will, towards your savings budget. And that might be a great way to do that. And I, I think it's just a great exercise to go through to kind of level set and say, how much are we spending? You know, and you can think about the budget in two ways, kind of the absolutely, if times got tough, I can't skip, these bills have to get paid. And then there's the fun stuff, the travel, the, you know, memberships, the doing whatever it is, going out to eat, right? Doing all the fun stuff that you like to do and kind of looking at those at, at two separate pieces. And Oftentimes, if you've been a good saver, you, you figure out the budget and the answer. Sometimes it's, yeah, we can do that. And you can probably spend a little bit more if you want. But it's really challenging to build a plan if we don't know what that number is. Right. Yeah. As you mentioned, that's the number we have the least control over. And it's the most important number in the plan. And I always like to estimate a little bit high if somebody's not really sure, because we can always scale back, but I don't want to have somebody say, Hey, we're good to retire, you know, spending $500 a month. And then you find out they're spending 10 times that, right. you know, that doesn't work. Easier to retire on ramen and SpaghettiOs, <laughs> right. but who, who wants that retirement, yeah. right? But I've found that as much as I, I tend to geek out on budgeting, and enjoy doing that, most people do not. So there's ways that we can calculate um, what that spending is and make an estimate based on what's your, what's your gross pay? What are you, what are you putting away for savings? What are you putting in your retirement plan? Is there anything left over at the end of the month? And we can kind of back into that number. But I think if, if you can take on the right mindset and not think of it as, as being drudgery and look for these opportunities, because let's say you can find 50 bucks a month or 500 bucks a month. What can you do with that? If you start calculating that out over years or decades, it's extremely impactful. And I think most people are surprised when they do the exercise of tracking their spending that it's not the big stuff. It's not like, oh man, we're buying too many big screen TVs. It's like we're buying too many books from Amazon or we're going out for coffee too often. It's the little stuff that just kind of eats away at the budget. 
So I know, um, and this is how back, how far back I've been talking about budgeting. I remember meeting with someone once there, they were buying too many magazines there on a monthly basis. They were subscribed to all these magazines. Whenever somebody came to the door back in the day, Hey, we're having a fundraiser and they cut that out and they, they saved enough money for uh, another goal that was more important to them. So it's about conscious spending and taking a look at what, what's really necessary and what's important. And nobody can tell you what that is, but, uh, if it's what's important to you might not be important for somebody else, but consciously decide where you want to, to put your savings efforts and your spending efforts. Yeah. I think that's really important, Randy. And you know, I like your, I like your concept of conscious spending. I haven't thought about it that way. I really like that, but I think sometimes too, the word budget has these maybe negative connotations oh, to it, yeah. right? Where people think, oh, I'm going to be limited or I've worked all these years. No, that's not what it means, right? In fact, I have some families where we've built in a little bit of extra, I call it a slush fund or mm-hmm. other, you know, we'd simply title it other, right? Which is, hey, this month I want, I want to spend a little extra in some area than other months and I want to make sure that that's accounted for. Easy, we can do that, right? So, so I think it's just about having great open communication especially on these type of touchy topics, right? The budget can be one. Certainly long-term care, nursing home concerns can be one. Passing away too early can be one. That's why I think it's maybe a little off topic of the budget, Randy, but I think it's so important to have a financial advisor, a fiduciary that you can communicate with, right? Someone that talks to you on a level that you're at on that topic. And, you know, I, I just, I've never understood it, but I've heard so many times over the years, people come in and say, well, my advisor just doesn't listen or they talk down to me or I don't feel comfortable asking questions. And boy, this is a relationship where you need to feel really comfortable with all right. that. Yeah. I, I think of, I've got a pet peeve when it comes to doctors. If they, if they're not on time, they're fired. And I've fired a bunch of doctors, but I've also had some that they just can't communicate. I don't care what their degree is or if they're number one in their class, but if they can't communicate the ideas that I need to know about in my health or talk down to me, they're fired. And I think the financial relationship is equally important. In fact, I had a former mentor. He said that as financial advisors, we have more impact than doctors because doctor's influence ends at the grave. And if we do our job right, it can continue for multiple generations. So I think it's really important to find somebody that you're comfortable with. That's not, you know, using jargon, not talking down to you. We like, as you can tell from listening to the radio show, we like the analogies because it makes the uh, complicated ideas a little bit simpler and people are, oh, okay, I get that. I get that. And it's fun to see new families that come in that are expecting one thing in a meeting and they come out and like, wow, I, I really had fun. They're surprised. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. And I think, you know, we certainly have clients that are very well versed in financial topics and we're going to get into lots of details and make sure they're in control. And we have other families that say, Hey, I want a relationship where that trust is because I don't want to think about this stuff. That's why I'm hiring you. And in any of those cases or somewhere in between, we're here to help. We're here to meet you where you want us to be and, and be that trusted partner that hopefully you're looking for. We're talking about this kind of fun time of year, great time to kind of celebrate, remembering the meaning of the holidays, but also think about some things, New Year's resolutions, a great opportunity, whether you think resolutions are hokey or, or, or important. I think it's just a, there's something about a closure of a year and a new start where you really can start fresh. And we're talking about some areas you can start fresh when it comes to financial resolutions. We talked about a couple of great ones, Randy, but this could be a time to consider rebalancing your portfolios. We're certainly not believers in day trading. We think you should have a long-term plan, but 
I think it's really important to align your risk in a portfolio. And it is something you don't want to just set it and forget it. It does need to be looked at. Right. And if you're working with an advisor, they're probably um, hopefully doing this for you. And in your retirement plan at work, you can set it up to be automated. But the concept is, is that if you've come up with a good allocation, it's going to change. It's going to change on a moment to moment basis, a daily basis. But what happens if it gets very skewed? I think you should rebalance at least on a quarterly basis, but maybe at the end of the year is a good time to take a look at your risk and say, Hey, before I rebalance, is this still the appropriate mix for me? Maybe at one point I was 60, 40 and now I'm getting a little older. Maybe I should be, you know, 50, 50 or take a look at it. So don't, don't, don't just do the rebalance. Take a look at rebalancing to the right place. But uh, that's an important thing to keep in mind. Don't just set it and forget it. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's interesting. There's that, that study and it's a little bit hard on the radio and podcast here, but you know, we have a great chart of it that we kind of reference in the offices where it looked at a 20 year period in the market. And that basically if you just invested, you know, the S and P and ignored it, you know, you averaged uh, don't quote me on the numbers, but it was about 6% over that 20 years. If you missed only the 10 best days in that 20 years, your return was cut in half. If you missed the best 20 days in 20 years, your return was about zero. Anything beyond that was negative. So a lot of times following correctionary periods, down periods is when we see those big spikes. And we know mathematically and historically those make a big difference. So you do want to stay invested. When we're talking about rebalancing, we're not talking about, oh, I'm worried. Let's go to cash. Right. Because I, I completely understand and empathize with the worry. I get it. But going to cash, you, you have to get a couple things right. You got a time to going to cash. Right. You got a time to getting back in. Right. I mean, there's just a bunch of things that are very difficult to time that you have to time. Right. And we know historically that doesn't have a great impact on the longevity of the portfolio and the return. So kind of balancing that risk, Randy, long way of me getting to risk here. I think it's important to understand your risk number in retirement. And this could be a good time. Maybe you think about kind of took a little bit better turn in the fourth quarter of this last year here. But, you know, it was a pretty tough 2022 and 2023 mm -hmm. when it came to markets. I mean, we're about back at where we were almost two years ago. And so it feels really good. Like we've had some gains, but it's really been flat. And, you know, I, I think if you have gone through this last time period, maybe lost more quicker than you hope, that might be an indication that you're invested a little bit more aggressively than you should be. And this idea of having our income needs and retirement squared away for 10 or 15 years that's not affected by the markets allows us to ignore that a little bit. So in the short term, when the markets weren't behaving, right, we had to put mm -hmm. the markets in a timeout here, we can just... I don't want to say ignore it, but we can kind of just give it the space it needs to recover and do what it's supposed to do long term. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, my the way, my way of looking at the market, I think, is different than most people's. I think that you probably should never be concerned about what the market's doing. And how can I say that? Your short term money should not even be in the market. You know, if you need money for, you know, the vacation you're taking next summer or the, the home remodeling you're doing, that probably should be in something very boring. Maybe that's in the bank. Maybe it's under your mattress. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're giving up return, but you cannot afford in the short term the downside that comes with, you know, potentially getting more upside. And then for your longer term money that you're not going to need for five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, 
you know, the volatility of the market is your best friend if you're doing the rebalancing. So if you're not in the market in the short term, why would you care about the volatility? And if volatility is your friend in the long term, why would you ever be worried about it? So that's easier said than done. I mean, I've, I've been saying this philosophy for many years, and I think a lot of people shake their head and they feel really good. And then they go back out into the world and there's radio shows and TV shows and magazines, and there's all sorts of stuff. And then they come back in and we remind them like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause you're just barraged by the, the fear mongering. But if you've got a good, good plan, it, uh, it, you don't need to be watching it every, every minute of every day. If you enjoy it, go ahead. I mean, that you can, there's a lot of advantages to, Hey, the market's down, we're, we're buying. Hey, the market's up, we're, we're selling. Uh, Warren Buffett's a great uh, advocate of that, but it doesn't need to be that complicated. You can make it a lot, a lot simpler on yourself by taking a look at what's your time frame and what's, what's your, what's your goal. And that leads to the risk. So it's not all going to be in one bucket. It's going to be spread out, but having that discussion, thinking about that, you can lay things out the way that's going to make you feel a lot of peace and be able to sleep at night. Another great point as we think about kind of financial resolutions for 2024 might be a time to kind of take a look at your life insurance needs. I think life insurance can be a really important tool for some people, can be completely unnecessary and a wrong spot to put money for others. So I think ignoring this topic, because especially as you kind of go through the various chapters in life, the, the need, the, the type of life insurance you might consider, you know, that can change pretty greatly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one of the more surprising conversations we have with people is a lot of the, you know, we work with retirees, they may have outgrown the need for life insurance and they're kind of surprised to see that. When you're young, you've got a, a mortgage, you've got kids in the house, there's a need for life insurance to protect your income. But once the kids are out of the house and the mortgage is paid off or almost paid off, you may not need life insurance anymore for a certain time period. It may come into effect later on again when we look at it from an estate planning standpoint. If somebody tells me, hey, I want to bounce my last check, but I still want to leave a million dollars to my kids, well, that might be a way that you can do it. You know, get a life insurance policy to, to protect the uh, estate and the rest of it you just have fun with. So you go through phases of life with life insurance. But again, like other things, like the stock market, it's not good or bad. It's just appropriate or inappropriate for you, given your situation. And I think for that's there's a number of things that we we see that that's one of the things that I see is the most common where people are surprised by like, what do you mean I don't need life insurance? And we have the discussion and they kind of get this look on their face like, yeah, maybe I don't. So uh, it's good to have that conversation with someone who's taking a look at all of the five different areas of retirement to make sure that nothing's being missed. And I think, you know, the Roth conversion is one of many tax strategies, but that should be a pretty simple no-brainer that's being discussed right now. And I think, Randy, this time of year, it's a great time to think about getting your financial house in order. Creating a plan is probably a financial resolution for so many of you. Only 35% of Americans have thought out and documented a financial plan. And people without a plan tend to feel less confident about their future. I know a lot of you are worried that you haven't saved enough or that you won't even be able to retire. And I know that so many folks don't have that written retirement ready roadmap. And that type of plan can help you feel less stressed and, you know, make you feel like you're out of these financial worries that can burden so many of us. So you don't have to be one of those people that's worried about your money or, or if it will last or if you can even retire. We have a specific process for helping you create an income strategy and we can start with our retirement ready roadmap. So if you're listening now and don't have a plan, 
We would love to help. After we've analyzed where you're at, we will help point out some areas we think we can help you improve. We appreciate you tuning in and listening to the Retirement Ready Show. Hey, podcast fans, if you're ready to take the next steps to create your Retirement Ready Roadmap, then visit us at retirementreadyshow.com. Here you can download educational white papers, sign up for educational no-obligation workshops, or schedule your complimentary consultation. Also, don't forget to follow and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Drake & Associates LLC is an independent financial services firm that utilizes a variety of investment and insurance products. Advisory services offered through Drake & Associates LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Drake & Associates LLC is not permitted to offer. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Drake & Associates LLC.